I'm Emily Renneberg, and this is Even Strength. So when I say skating, what do you think of? Cold ice skates and sticks? Or park sports and sneakers? Like a lot of Canadians would, you likely thought about the ice. And though Canada tends to dominate on the ice, something you probably don't know is that in the world of skateboarding, Canada also ranks among the top competitors in the world. And today, I'd love to introduce our own top female street skateboarder, looking to take Canada to the podium in its Olympic debut in Tokyo 2021. Hi, everyone. My name is Annie Guglia. I'm a professional skateboarder from Montreal. I'm the national champion for skateboarding street, and I'm in the process of qualifying for the Olympics in Tokyo in 2021 now. So yeah, that's me. So last week, we talked about how climbing is making its first appearance in the Tokyo Olympics, now slated for next year. We also talked about how the formatting for that sport is controversial, and the athletes are expected to do way too much. This week, we get to talk about more Olympic controversy. But first, a quick history lesson. Though some form of skateboards appeared as early as the 1900s, by the 1950s, kids were riding around on milk crate scooters and eventually just took off the handlebars in the boxes and rode around on a board with wheels. Think that one scene from Back to the Future. By the 60s, skateboarding had lured surfers onto the scene and brands and sponsors began popping up. The first wave of skateboarding popularity hit around 1965, and at that time it's estimated that around 50 million skateboards were manufactured between 1963 and 1965. But after a record number of hospitalizations occurred because of the sport, many American cities just banned it, and it began its journey into subculture. The early 1970s brought on a second wave of popularity, as new inventions like trucks for the boards were created, there was the introduction of vertical and pool skating, and the fundamental move, the ollie, was created. Tony Hawk and Rodney Mullen popped up in the early 80s, and so did the first international competitions. Now, for over two decades, skateboarding has been a part of youth culture and has risen a lot into mainstream life its impact has been noticeable too. Can you think of another sport where the age range of the top five world-ranked female athletes goes from 12 to 30 years old? Yeah, actually, uh, right now, like a lot of kids start skating when they're five years old and even younger than that sometimes. But when I started in 2001, so I was 11, and I just got hooked because my little brother got a skateboard for Christmas and then for me, at the time, it was just another toy, like a scooter or a bicycle or a basketball. <laughs> and uh, But I, I got hooked because it was a lot more challenging than the other sports. Like, I was good at almost anything I would try, like, physically. Like, But skateboarding was really hard, and I couldn't understand the physics of just the basic trick of an ollie, where you, your board follows you, and it's not attached to your feet, obviously. So I just, uh, I thought it was really hard, and I took it as a challenge. and. The moment I really got hooked is when I started high school the year after I made a group of friends in school who skated. So that was really like, that's what got me, like kept me going in skateboarding. And a couple of years later, I, I found a group of girls who skated in Montreal called Skirtboarders. And that's, uh, that's when I, I knew like skateboarding was my sport. So throughout my whole teen years, that's the only, basically the only sport I practiced. Well, for guys, Nigel Houston is, he's a uh, American. He's uh, from California and he's so good. He was one of the only professional, he was professional at 11 when I was 11. 
And that was like a big deal in that time. And he's still on top. Like he's so good for women, Brazilians. Like there's so good Brazilian girls in skateboarding. I don't know what it is, but the top three right now is Brazilians. So for street, um, so Pamela Rosas first, and then Haisa Leal, she's 11th. She's so cute. She's the second in the world. Yeah, and in uh, in Park, I think the second or third uh, women is also like 10 or 11 is Sky Brown. Like she's viral, so a lot of people know her. She did like Dancing with the Stars and won. <laughs> she's like a little superstar. She's really cool. She's accomplished more than like half of the world and she's 11. And now that skateboarding is in the Olympics, like I mentioned earlier, there's some controversy here too. There's a term in skateboarding, core, which has a few meanings depending on who you end up asking. Basically, core skaters skate at least once a week, have a certain look, buy from skater-owned brands that haven't gone corporate, and basically live and breathe the sport. Many core skaters are worried about the publicity of skateboarding on the world stage. There's intense debate in the community on how it will impact the culture. Some see skateboarding as a lifestyle, not a sport an expression of individuality, and not an opportunity to be capitalized on by business and money. People don't want the sport to have regulations, or to have uniforms, or become commercialized. But Annie sees a more positive side to that Olympic debut. I under, I Obviously, I, I understand where people who don't agree with that come from, because I was, like, I grew up in that subculture, and skateboarding is, like, core, and it's not a sport, even. Like, people say it's not a sport. Uh, it's a lifestyle so that's that's a very big discourse in skateboarding but for me it took me a while to change my mind on this but I realized after I realized it was such a great new opportunity for a lot of people who couldn't like live off skateboarding any other way uh, like the traditional way of being a professional skateboarder that like opened a whole new field for for people who want to live off skateboarding and like compete because competition is not even the center of skateboarding it's just basically if you're a street skateboarder which is my case um you go in the street and you film video parts and you put like before it was like dvds but now it's on the internet and you work with sponsors a lot but sponsors are still a thing in competition but it's like a whole new way of making a living off your passion and that's how i see it and especially for women and people outside of like the countries that are really big in skateboarding are now like getting skate parks built and they have opportunities to get like money from the government to train and go to the Olympics. So, and for women on the other side, it's really cool because before it was, well, it's still a male dominated sport, but I feel like now that it's in the Olympics, especially for competition, a gold medal is worth the same if you're a man or a woman. Yeah, it's, I think it just gave a big push to equality in skateboarding. Okay, so wait. What's going to be the deal with skateboarding in Tokyo 2021? What will the events look like? Who qualifies? We have qualifiers, which didn't really happen for, for 2020 because of coronavirus, but... Uh, we started in 2018 to gather points for the Olympics. And so how it works is let's say we have uh, eight competitions before the Olympics and you stack points um, and each country has, let's say like three skaters minimum. And then depending on the points, you can get more uh, cards. Um, and then, so there's four events, two disciplines, street and park. 
And in each of them, there's going to be 20 skateboarders. 20, so there's going to be 80 skateboarders in Tokyo. And there's a quota of three per country. So it means that if there's 10 Brazilians in the top 20, they're only going to pick the top three and then go on from there uh, to assure there's a diversity of countries. So it's my third year in a row <laughs> that I get the, it's the first three years we have national championships and I've, I've won the, the three of them. So that's something I'm really proud of. And um, that one was actually very important because um, the national championships are worth a lot of points because they want to make sure that there's uh, people from each country get like opportunities. Uh, so for me, that one was very important. That That's the one that actually got me in, in a position to qualify for Tokyo. Like if I, uh, if the qualifiers this year happened, I was in a very good spot to qualify for Tokyo. So um, street is um, a type of skateboarding where you just, you skate, obstacles that look like what you'd find in the street. So for example, stairs and handrails and benches and stuff like that. So most skate parks that we see are have at least like a big street park because in Canada, it's the most common uh, type of skateboarding, but no one only skates one type of skateboarding. So, um, but that's, so street is really more like technical, I want to say, and like, yeah, so it's more like stairs and rails and stuff like that. But you'll understand when I'll explain what park is. Park is more like a bowl. You can see it as a bowl. So it's transitions and uh, people go really high and, and do airs and, and grabs and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's a lot more um, like visually, if you don't understand skateboarding, park is more impressive because they go super high and they like spin and, <laughs> and do all these things. Uh, so I think it's really cool that they, they have these two for the Olympics. And then vert is um, what a lot of people just see in skateboarding, like what Tony Hawk does. It's just like a big vertical half pipe. But this one's not going to be in, in Tokyo in 2021. But I think there there's uh, discussions about having uh, vert in the future. Okay, so now how does the judging work? How will athletes take the gold? So that's very interesting because each skate park is different for every competition. So you can't really practice in advance and know in advance what you're going to do. Um, like, for example, in, in the artistic skating and artistic swimming, like, you know, like they practice their routine for four years and, and they know what they're going to do and they, they really uh, make sure it's perfect in skateboarding. Um, to win a competition, you just have to be a really good overall skateboarder and be very creative because it's uh, it's different every time so most of the time we just get to the venue let's say like five days in advance and we have two days of practice uh so you just figure out a run with within like your abilities what you know you're gonna be able to do every time um and in street we have two types of like within the competition you have runs and then you have best tricks so it's two different things uh, where you can get points. Uh, runs is a 45 second run where you, you're by yourself in the skate park and you try to stack as many points as possible by doing tricks and being flowy, like never fall off your board, for example. Um, so you do that for 45 seconds and it's very subjective because, well, it's not very subjective. Now with judging, they, they, they got really uh, almost objective in their subjectivity, if I can say, but it's, um, it's uh, so that's how they judge runs and then best tricks. Um, so you have five attempts to try bigger tricks overall. So you have two runs, five best tricks, so that's seven points. 
uh, seven scores and they take your four best scores. But one trick that I very often do is a uh, board slide. It's called board slide big spin. And uh, it's everything that spins is more risky it's all the time. Like every time you flip your board or, or spin in or out of a trick is like considered a risk. So it's worth more points. So that's one that I really got on speed dial. <laughs> and it's, uh, I can, usually I can do it pretty much at any skate park. I'll find a way. So now that we know the fundamentals of how this is going to work in Tokyo 2021, if you're someone like me, someone who's never watched a skate competition like this before, what do you look for when you're watching in the Olympics? I want to say like self-expression because each skateboarder has a different style and a different bag of tricks that, um, yeah, it's just like this cool, creative self-expression activity and uh that's what i like the most like when you see someone who's like super aggressive goes really fast and then someone else is like very meticulous and super technical and like it's just very interesting to to see all types of skateboarding even just within like street skateboarding and it's the same thing for if you watch park like some people are very aggressive and they'll go really fast and then some other people it's like almost like ballet <laughs> so it's uh it's really it's really um I really like watching it and I just hope that people will like it in Tokyo too. I hope I'll be in Tokyo, but I'm just excited for the for the inclusion of skateboarding in general. It's going to be awesome and it's going to be a great platform to show the world uh, how fun and cool skateboarding is, I hope. If I if I make like if slash when I make it to Tokyo in 2021, my goal is to try to showcase how fun skateboarding is. Well, I just hope if I win the medal, no one's going to be like, wow, that looks so boring. <laughs> you know, like I would never skateboard, you know, like I want to be like, have a smile on my face and like show people how much fun I'm having, even if I'm competing at that level. It's just like, it's fun. And that's how it should be. Because of the coronavirus and the Australian fires, qualifiers have been pushed out for everyone in the Olympics. So we really don't know who is going, but we can make good guesses based on past performance. Annie is in the top spot for street skating Canadian women. So let's talk more about her. Skating has been her life for almost two decades. And I mean that too. It's her life. Like it means a lot to a, a lot of people because it at some point skateboarding becomes part of your identity. Like if I didn't skate, I don't even know who I would be. Like who I would be hanging out with. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, if it makes sense, it's just more than just a sport I practice it's like when they say skateboarding is a lifestyle it really is it's the it's more than just the activity it like translates to like the people even the language like you know so it's just like this whole it just means so much to me that I don't even know how to express it if that makes sense the community just the because as you said it's an individual sport but community of skateboarding is awesome and like I've been skateboarding for 18 years and I met most of my friends through skateboarding. Most of the travels I did were like to go skate famous skate spots. And like, it's just the, it's like when you see another skateboarder, you know, you automatically know you have something in common with that person. And it's, it's a very like good bonding uh, activity. The community is a massive part of skating. The culture is so ingrained that there's a unique bond and understanding between the people who choose to be in it. It's an important piece in success and support. It's also stereotyped to be very open and accepting of all kinds of individuals. 
based on its reputation as a subculture. Well, in skateboarding, we always say like we're progressive, and but it's there's a lot of jocks in skateboarding too, and um, a lot of people are homophobic or even like people like being racist in skateboarding, and because it's just it's just it's an activity, so it's a reflection of society. There's going to be bad people and good people everywhere. So, uh, but for the most part, I think skateboarders are very um, open. Annie came out a few years ago at the age of 25. So actually, I, I like when I came out, uh, it was like I was older, but it's not because like I didn't know before. It's just because I didn't even take the time to like I didn't know myself enough to know that I like could be attracted to women. It's uh, and also because at the time there was this big stereotype that uh, all girls who skate are lesbians. And I just I think like as a teenager, I just really didn't want to be that stereotype so I, I was like no nah, I'm not like nah, nah, nah and it was okay for a while like I didn't like I wasn't sad about it because I didn't know but then I had to to rethink that when I had a crush on a girl uh, but it's cool because skateboarding and also the the time that we are right now like as a society is way more accepting so I had no problem coming out and nobody really cares and in skateboarding right now there's like a really big queer community and it's actually really awesome there's a new van video that just came out about the uh, queer skateboarding and it's actually like the if you think about it it's like the most core skateboarding has been in a, in a long time like it's so cool and so underground and it's like people are very open about it like not underground like they're hiding but just like it's just very pure love for skateboarding and yeah, people should go and watch that. It's really good. I've put the link for the video in the Instagram and Twitter bio of at EvenStrengthPod. It's called Love Letter to LGBTQ+, and it's part of an 11-year series created by Vans called Love Letters to Skateboarding. The video is really cool, and it's informative. It features some big names in skating like Alyssa Steamer, Cher Strawberry, Leo Baker, Brian Anderson, and the skating group Unity. The interviewees talk about their own experiences in being LGBTQ+, and skating. And it's so important that resources like this exist. Brian Anderson is one of the highest profile openly gay skateboarders globally. And when he came out in 2016, almost 20 years after he turned pro, he shocked a lot of people and was one of the reasons why conversations around LGBTQ plus skateboarding have really opened up in the last few years. I think it was for a while way worse if you were like a gay man in skateboarding, but um, one of the like chorists purest pro skateboarder brian anderson came out so four years ago like he came out and that made such a big difference because he was the i think the first one to be openly gay and talk about it and people at like the guys at first were like whoa like that's so weird and but at, but like we didn't know we don't look gay like all those <laughs> stereotypes but like like that gave so many other guys the strength to come out and like, it's going to be okay. Like Brian Anderson came out, it's going to be okay. And I think that's what you got to do as a leader in, in a community. Like no matter the community is just be yourself because you can inspire other people to be themselves. Like I'm just trying to show people that you can, like only you can be you. <laughs> and that's how you're going to add value to the world. It's just like being yourself and, yeah, just being like the best person you can be. And that's how you're going to like when you do good, you're going to inspire more people to do good or not necessarily good, but just like 
be yourself and be proud of who you are, like no matter what that means. And uh, like, if I take Brian's example again, like just the fact that he came out, he wasn't like advocating for gay rights. He just he was just like, this is who I am, and and you ha you guys have to accept that. And it just opened like this conversation in skateboarding, and I think it ended up being such a like having such a positive impact. history of male major league sports, meaning the NFL, NHL, and MLB, there has never been an active player who has come out as gay. Never ever. In the NBA, Jason Collins came out seven years ago. Since then, no other active NBA player has come out. Now the key word here is active. Some people have come out after they've retired, and there was one football player who was drafted out of high school as an openly gay male, but he's never played a game as a pro. There is still an incredible amount of stigma in the sports world when it comes to the LGBTQ community. And Jason Collins says there's still a lot of fear for people who are living that experience. So it can unfortunately be really hard to live as your authentic self as a pro athlete. A famous Canadian example would be Olympic swimmer Mark Tewksbury. He won three Olympic medals, his last being gold in Barcelona in 1992. And when he came out in 1998, he immediately lost a six-figure motivational speaker contract for being, quote, too openly gay. Uh, I know, for example, in, in swimming, Mark Tewksbury, and he, um, he didn't have the strength. He, that's what he told me, like we actually spoke today. And he told me he didn't have the, the strength to come out like when he won his gold medal in 1992 because it was too early. But like he came out in 1998 and I was on a Zoom call with him and a, like another gay swimmer who's way young. Like he's 22 and he was like, thank you for paving the way because if you didn't do all the work like 10, 20 years ago, maybe I, I couldn't even come out today. So like and be not only like have the right to but like be proud of it yeah or just like being tolerated and being supported canadians love annie with her exponential success as a skateboarder and her genuine and approachable personality she does get recognized in the streets of her hometown of montreal all the time if i don't have my board it happens very rarely like it, some like one time i was calling an uber and a girl just came up to me and she was like are you annie Guglia? can i take a photo and I was like, wow, I think it's the first time outside of like not like not having a, a, a board with me or and outside of skate park and like not in a skate event or anything or not with someone with a skateboard, like just like by myself on a street corner. Someone's like, hey, <laughs> so but in a skate park. Yeah, definitely. It's hard. Like for a long time, it was hard for me to get used to the fact that like all the little kids would come up and like ask me for tricks and like or like take photos and stuff like that. Like for a while, I was like, I can't train. Like everyone knows me and I feel bad, but now I'm used to it and I like it. I think it's, I, I like to use that um, like notoriety to show kids that like it, we're just regular people and you can, you can talk to me. Like I'll teach you how to kickflip and like we'll have fun. And then, yeah. She also hosts monthly events in Montreal where girls can come learn to skate, practice their skills and join the community. Having role models and women to look up to at the skate parks, on TV, and online is a big part of why there's been more girls in skating in the last few years. One of the first girls that I saw in a, in a video was Vanessa Torres. Uh, she was one of the first 
female professional skateboarders and I always looked up to her because I really liked her style and the fact that like she was just always the only girl basically that we would see there was other girls but she paved the way and inspired so many girls uh most of my generation actually will say Vanessa Torres is there was like their favorite skater <laughs> Well, now there's like, especially because of social media, I think the next generation, like the girls who are, who are, I mean, no matter the age, actually, like anyone who starts skating right now just has access to so many role models. And I think that's great. And social media played a big role uh, because when I started, social media were not big at all. And traditional media would only show men, even, for example, like X Games has had a girls category since... I want to say like 2000, like the year 2000. And they just started showing it on TV like like 10 years later or something. Like that was kind of sad because even at the point where all my friends were in X Games and it was hard to watch because they just didn't broadcast it. Um, so that changed a lot. Traditional medias are doing a great job now at showcasing diversity in skateboarding. So that's great. And But social media also played a big role. I think it's always more important to see it like as empowering for the women, like there's more opportunities. So uh, I don't want to see it as barriers, but like more women have to take their space in skateboarding and just like push their limits to to take advantage of those those new opportunities. And I think there's plenty of rooms and um, it's it's changing. Minds are changing. People are ready to invest in in women in skateboarding because they because before it was seen as like, oh, their performance are not as good as the men, so they're not worth investing in. But now they're starting to realize that the more you, you do invest and show them, it's going to inspire the next generation. And that's how skateboarding grew in the first place. The first guys who skated were not as good as the guys today, but it's like through inspiration and, and watching other people be better. And that's how you can uh, aim to be better too. So now I think the the cycle is reversing where um, that's, yeah, we're just showcasing and giving more opportunities to women who, yes, are not as necessarily uh, as performant as, as the guys right now, but we're seeing 11-year-old girls from, from Japan and Brazil and even Canada, like they're getting so good and it's, it's the next generation is going to be crazy, I'm telling you. <laughs> So now that we've hit six weeks of the show, there's one thing that has been very apparent to me over the course of every single episode. Visibility of women in sport is absolutely consequential. If you've been keeping up with the episodes, which I really hope and encourage that you do, we know that 4% of traditional media in Canada covers women's sports. And to now tack on to that, women are more likely to be portrayed in sexualized ways that undermine their athleticism and target their emotions or appearance. Which, yeah, it's disheartening to say the least. But I hope we can all see the positivity coming from these stories that I've shared over the last few weeks. Social media is working. Young girls are able to access more role models. They are able to find women like themselves who are out there competing in sport and who are successful. They're leaders, they're having fun, and you can be just like them. Keep sharing, keep supporting, and keep pushing. We'll see you next week.